sounds and colors and the chaos police and firefighters the sound of radio chatter helicopters i was embedded in the evening news the officer led me toward an area apparently being set up for the wounded was i hurt worse than i thought mr griver the police officer said i looked at him with confusion good book he added but you really should invest in the hardback it's a sign of a fully committed person I looked down and saw I still had the novel I'd been reading in the cafe. My white knuckles told me I'd been clutching it like a life preserver. The note. Where was it? I fished in my pockets but came up empty. I turned around and headed back to where I'd been lifted off the ground. Hold on, partner. We can't have you going back there. Too dangerous. I lost someone, I said. You lost someone? Something. I lost something. Please. Well, you're not going back to get it now. With a powerful hand on my shoulder, he turned me around walked me down the block to a concrete patch cordoned off by yellow tape and set me on the ground with the others. The cop's name was Danny Weller, and he was a chatterer. He told me about growing up in Oakland and learning to fish and waders in the Sacramento River with his father. His dad, he said, was a fierce wordsmith, the outer casing of a union man covering a dictionary. Danny stayed nearby, my personal caseworker. He kept my state of mind numb, but his friendly rambling didn't slow the background din of questions. Who would do such a thing? Did someone try to save my life? Was that person connected to Annie? And what happened to everyone else in the cafe? How many hurt? How many dead? Those questions I asked aloud. We have three fatalities and a couple people in critical, Danny said. Not as miraculous as it first appeared. What do you mean? The idea that anyone survived seemed miraculous. The explosion was confined to one area of the cafe. It's not as bad as we first thought, Danny said. At this point, we don't know if it was intentional or an industrial accident. You mean, it might not have been a bomb? What makes you think it was a bomb? Danny looked at me intently, with curiosity, but not accusation. I took him in for the first time. I noticed hair and gut. He had a lot of both. I figured him at around 45 years old. Worn, blue-collar hands, no wedding ring, but that didn't mean anything anymore. He had soft, droopy eyes. That reminded me somehow of the black and chocolate-brown-colored glass polar bear eyes from the taxidermist's office where I interned the summer before my senior year in college. Before I could get out an answer to Danny's question, a paramedic knelt beside me. He seems okay, Danny said. He was outside when it happened. Well, let's have a look, the paramedic said, tilting. I'm going to ask you some basic questions. Indulge me. What's your name? Nathaniel. Nathaniel Idle. Nat Idle, Danny the cop said. I told him my first name earlier, but not my last. The paramedic and I turned our heads to look. Danny turned his eyes to the side, the way a bad poker player fails to mask emotion, and I can't say I was surprised. A year earlier, when I was researching an article about the HIV epidemic faced by the city's immigrant prostitution rings, I had come across a disturbing tip. Several officers assigned to crack down on the residential brothels were sampling the fare rather than bringing the violators to justice. One of the cops, upon learning he might have contracted HIV himself, beat a 20-year-old Malaysian prostitute with the battle end of a flashlight. The cop, Timothy Aravello, and two colleagues were convicted. Publicly, a number of police officers lauded my efforts. It was politically correct to do so. Privately, they said I had exaggerated the problems of one bad cop and his own domestic dispute and turned it into a crusade. I was viewed as a member of the corner-cutting sensationalist media. 
No obvious broken bones, a laceration on the forehead, scrapes to knees, elbows, and hands. Consistent with a forceful fall, the paramedic said. You did the right thing, Danny said. The paramedic thought Danny was talking to him. I knew what he really meant. Thanks, I said. Danny, look, something's not right. Something is very strange, and Danny cut me off. We're doing preliminary interviews with everyone who was in the area. We like to get impressions while they're fresh. You're our next contestant. He pulled me up by the hand and bent in close. Ordinarily, Lieutenant Aravello would ask you a few gentle questions and then give you a pat on the back. But you might get slightly rougher treatment. The cops had constructed a makeshift command center under a temporary open-air tent in front of the Kumasushi. Danny had walked me over to the command center. Under the tent, a half-dozen cops whirred with various tasks. Several barked commands into walkie-talkies, one typed into a laptop, another set up what looked...